0: People will go along with a leader who gives a what, but they will give their life to a leader who continually gives a why. Welcome to another edition, episode four of the John Norman Leadership Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And we're going to be sending you content on the last Thursday of every month. So make sure you subscribe, make sure you like it, share it, and we want to spread the news as far and wide as possible. So every time we make more content, it goes directly to you. Remember, you are your only limit. And this podcast is to help you lift the level of your leadership. And as you rise, others will rise around you. So good news is we are now on iTunes and Spotify, more ways to engage. So spread the news. And I just want to add again, some, some context to today's podcast. It is uh, 20, 2020. But if you are listening to this uh, 2021 or beyond, we are right in the middle of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So uh, some of the teaching you're going to hear today is to help us really come out of that. So, you know, this this is challenging at the moment. um, And no one saw the magnitude of the challenges COVID-19 would bring. But I believe as leaders of organizations, CEOs of businesses, pastors of churches, we have a huge role right now in helping people re-engage back into some kind of new normal. Um, You know, it's a lot easier stopping a hot engine than starting a cold one. And our world grounded to a halt really quickly, but now the world is beginning to warm up again, get going again. And the challenge is how us as leaders, we bring our staff, our team, our volunteers on this journey with us. And you know the old saying goes, the future is unkind to those who are unprepared. So part of this podcast today is to help us prepare to get going again and for re-engagement, re-engaging with society, the workplace, our church congregation face-to-face. You know, we've all been working in 2D, um, but the world is actually 3D. So it's really to help us get going again in 3D. So if, if, if the title today is Leading with Reengagement," Leading with Re-Engagement. And this could impl- uh, apply to so many different areas of our lives. And probably it starts, let's be honest, with us as individuals. And as, as a staff, I'm a leader of a church and a, a charity. Our, 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 our challenge in front of us is to re-engage with our staff, our community, and really get that process moving again. And it will be a slow process. Um, We cannot speed this up. It will take its time. Um, But I believe it's a process that is happening, and we can help people move forward and out of this crisis. In the 1800s and 1900s, pit ponies would come out the mines sometimes after 10 years, the majority of their life and they have been their eyes would have adjusted to uh, just pretty much darkness so when they come out what the owners did to help them re-engage uh, adjust to normal light and normal life was they wrapped bandages around their eyes and every day they would peel off one layer of the bandage and you know often that can be well that is exactly what's happening right now if we come straight up to the surface straight back into life running at the same pace doing the things we were let me tell you we're going to have some real challenges but I believe there's a process for us as CEOs, as leaders to engage and for our staff to re-engage the right way and that is a slower process back into the new normal. I'm going to give us five really simple practical keys today. To help us re-engage, remove those layers off as we move forward. Um, so here we go. Number one is we re-engage by obsessing over the why. Right now we had so much change. We, you know, we suddenly got locked in, and now we're now we're going to come out. And so changes changes happening. But there's two times that people have to change. Number one is desperation, and number two is inspiration. Desperation is when we are forced into change. We were forced into lockdown. We had no choice. You know, we heard, we we know that quote, desperate times, desperate measures, and people have been forced to furlough their staff. We, as as employers, we've been forced into making, you know, uh, redundancies or, you know, making tough decisions in this season. So change comes by desperation. The second time change comes, and this is what I want to uh, focus in on, is inspiration, where people are inspired into it. And as leaders, our job is to inspire others back into a new normal, back into the office, back into the workplace. How do we do that? By obsessing, first of all, over the why. So many times I know I've got this wrong. I have obsessed over the what. What is the what? The what is what needs doing, what hasn't happened, what went wrong, what could have gone better, and we obsess over the what. But right now, our teams don't need to hear too much of the what. They need to hear about the why. People will go along with a leader who gives a what, but they will give their life to a leader who continually gives a why. And as we transition back in and re-engage with others, there are three groups of people. Now, these three groups of people I have seen in our own team, and our own staff, number one is critics. Approximately 10%. They won't be happy. They will have settled into a new life. They might have even be comfortable being furloughed. And they will also shout the loudest. And crisis is a disruptor, but crisis is also a revealer. Crisis will show you a lot about your staff, your team and your volunteer base. So the three groups of people, number one, critics. Number two are bystanders. Now they make up the majority of people in our workplaces on our teams, probably around 80%. And they just watch and go with the flow. So if you say, Go this way, they say, okay, we'll go that way. If you say, we're going to head a different direction, they'll head a different direction. And the third group of people is probably approximately another 10% is advocates. These are people that cannot wait to re-engage. Change is their friend. They cannot wait to get back to work. So our job as a leader is to move critics to bystanders and bystanders to advocates. How do we do that? Here we go. We give them the why. The why disarms critics. The why... Educates bystanders and the why empowers advocates. Okay, the why is our friend right now. It's one of the most powerful tools we have as a leader. But why the why? Why the why? The why is realigning our perspective, it's giving people perspective again. We went back into our office two weeks ago as a staff and as a team under government guidelines and with social distancing and all the things in place, which is great. But for some of our staff, that was a huge step. In fact, it wasn't just a step, it was a struggle. And I had to unpack the why for our staff because it wasn't good enough just giving them this is what we're going to do. They had to understand the reasoning behind the decision. And here's the why. Here's what I told our staff. I am doing this more for the well-being of you than the organization's benefit. You see, I, I'm not a believer in isolation. I think isolation keeps people in struggle street. It keeps people, you know, challenged, and so many things that isolation brings. But when you create community and bring people in, we get the best out of people. And so for me, I wanted to get our staff back into community as quick as possible, not just for the organization's benefit, but for their personal well being. And, you know, once they grab the why, everything changed. And here's what I noticed the second week of our staff coming back in. I noticed a different set of staff because nerves became normal. And I want to encourage us as leaders, as CEOs, to keep taking those brave steps, keep taking people on the journey. And every decision we make in this season I want to encourage you to keep giving the why. People need the why now more than ever. Never assume that people, our teams know our why. Uh, A wise man once told me, he said, John, he said, assume nothing and confirm everything. And in this season, assume nothing and confirm everything. Our job is to re-engage. Number one is by obsessing over the why. So here's a takeaway for us today. Obsess over the why, not the what. Obsess over the why, not the what. Number two, re-engage by striding, not striving. I don't know about you, but when I come back from a holiday—seems a long time ago since we had a holiday, hey—I um, get a little bit anxious when you land back into London Heathrow or to your to your airport, and you drive, start driving home in the car you can feel a little bit nervous because your routines have been interrupted you're in holiday mode you're feeling relaxed and everyone else has been going at full pace and you feel like you've got to play catch up for the next few few days and you know the world is starting to try to play catch up right now and i think covid has had a lot of downsides but i also think it's had a lot of upsides. COVID has taught us so many personal lessons about ourselves, about our families, our children. And, you know, I've written down my top three lessons that I've learned from this season. And probably uh, my top lesson is I've had to find a new stride in life. My life, my leadership style, my days pre-COVID were sprinting, not striding. And often I would try and cram 10, 11, even 12 meetings into a day. And I know many, many leaders do the same. Some of you are really good at this, but this was a challenge for me trying to cram everything in. And the challenge is in cramming more things in, you let more people down. Um, and especially, uh, you know, people closest to you. And I, I don't want to go back to the rat race. You know, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. And I don't want to go and be that leader anymore. So I've got to ask myself, what is it about my stride I don't like? And sometimes you have to engage with an honest conversation with yourself. For me, it's was I involved in too much detail? Can I release more things? Can I empower others to run with some of the detail that I was running with that was helping me run so quickly? What do I need to know? And actually, what do I not need to know? Corona has taught us a lot about ourselves and others, what's important and what's not so important. They say, never waste a tragedy, never waste a crisis. The danger is that we're learning nothing and we'll just revert back to our old ways of thinking, the old patterns of life. I want to encourage you to take some time out as leaders and journal. Write down what your top three lessons are from this season. Be honest with yourself. What don't you want to go back to? What would you do differently if this lockdown ever happened again? Who knows, it could happen again in five years, but what would you do differently? What did you miss? What didn't you miss? For those who have faith listening, did my spiritual life grow or did it die? Which friends did you really miss? Maybe which friends didn't you miss? We won't go there. I think the answers to the, some of these questions will help you formulate a new stride in your leadership as you lead and engage with others. I don't want to go back to working late five nights a week. You know, you can be a a public success, but a private failure. And I think COVID's taught us a lot about striding, not striving. Number three, re-engage by being okay not to be okay. Our staff and team, one of the, the first things I said to them as they came back into the building is, it's actually now okay not to be okay. We can't expect everyone just to be okay and just click our fingers and expect the world to to go again. It doesn't work like that. Many of our staff or employees or volunteers have developed what's known now as Stockholm Syndrome. It was in 1973 that a young lady called Jan was taken captive and but developed feelings over a long period of time towards her captor. And she enjoyed being in his in company, in his environment. And I've heard it said recently that, you know, even in this season of being under house arrest, because that's what we are, many will feel attached to their home and environments because they have detached from what is normal. And so our role as leaders is to help people through this syndrome. You know, I walked back into my place of work, uh, the church, uh, probably six or seven weeks into this crisis in mid-May, and it was it was eerie. Um, it didn't feel like home. It didn't feel like where I worked. I felt like maybe I'll never get to sit in my office again. I felt like maybe I'll never get to stand on a door and give someone a hug or shake hands again. And I realized that actually it wasn't okay. And so... In that journey that I've been on of re-engagement I've realized that if pe- if I'm struggling guess what other people will be struggling and it's actually okay not to be okay I think as employers we uh, and, and leaders we want everyone just to be okay but actually the most important thing right now as much as we want to get you know we want to get money coming back into the company we want to get the books balanced again I think the most important thing right now as a staff for our staff and for our teams is to make sure people are okay. We want to, you know, I want to, I want our staff to go the to go the journey and go the distance, and they're going to remember how we handle this season of re-engagement. And so our role is to give people license not to be okay. Give them space to be taught, to talk, give them space to be heard, listen to what happened in their in their COVID-19 season, and let's take people on this journey with us. Number four, here we go. Re-engage by focusing on good news, on good news. You know, hindsight is always a great teacher, isn't it? But if I was to live out the, the past four months again, my, one of my second personal challenges to myself, top lesson would be I spent too much time on media, in the media. And I think the media, it never satisfies. So we constantly look for the next article. Uh, and you know we, we keep searching and reading about scientists and top professors and theologians and futurists and what I realized is everyone was saying something different and so what happens is after reading one article I read another article another and then you you get really confused and then you feel really negative and I think we have to almost monitor right now how much time that we're spending on the media Um, we had our first day a couple of weeks ago in Norfolk where we had no new cases and uh, uh, really positively no new deaths of COVID in, in our county. And I was telling as many people as possible, have you heard the good news? And uh, I was thinking, well, at least today we're going to have a positive headline. And I, I read the headline of my local paper and they'd managed to find a uh, a negative headline about another subject. And I felt, wow, isn't it interesting, even though we had good news, uh, the media loved to publish the bad news. And as leaders, as directors, uh, as employers, I believe our role is to keep finding good news in bad situations. And we decided as a staff and as a team, right at the start of this COVID-19 crisis, that we would have a staff meeting uh, every day with our team at 10 a.m., and obviously on Zoom. And we would, the very first thing we do after after a moment of prayer is we would open with good news. We just throw it open to the, to the staff to share something, whether it was personal. And you know, it's incredible how sometimes you got to search and think a little bit harder for good news, but good news renews the mind. Bad news saps the mind of creative energy, saps the mind of creative energy. And right now we need to be creative, innovative. We need to be on the forefront of these things. And often the media can take that energy that we need. Uh, and But good news, I've found, is it helps people re-engage. Why? Because it creates a positive environment. Whenever you have a positive environment, people want to be a part of it. So I encourage you to think about ways that you can create good news slots, good news moments on your staff and of your team. And I've never met anyone who's died from an overdose of good news. Come on keep bringing the good news everyone. Number five, and finally, re-engage with a sense of looking through, not looking at. I'm very aware it's uh, easy for us to look at the challenges in front of us right now. and But as leaders, uh, we've been graced for the position we're in because we have the ability to see through the challenge. Most people can only see the challenge, but we have this ability to be able to see through it. And there's no doubt about it, especially I'm going to call myself a young leader. I'm 40, 41, 42 soon, but I'm still going to call myself a young leader. This has definitely been the biggest uh, challenge, COVID-19, that I've faced. But history tells us that every storm, every single storm comes to an end. And I think it was Craig Rochelle who said recently on one of his podcasts that every 10 years the world has a major crisis and he's right in in my lifetime 2001 we had 9/11 the terrorist act we had 2008 we had a global recession and in 2020 we've had uh, we've had the covid-19 pandemic and you know not being a prophet of doom and gloom but this probably won't be the last major crisis in our lifetime. So what I want to do is I want to learn the lessons of this so I can apply them to the next crisis if it was to come. And our role is to lead people through a crisis, not lead people standing and looking at one. That is the why. Now this is the how. Our language and our correspondence and our conversations have to lead with optimism. If we're going to get people from looking at a crisis to looking through a crisis, we have to take a leading role in leading with our language. I love listening and following leaders who lead with a sense of optimism and positivity. So how do we do that? By arresting those little comments on our team, not sending around negative articles. There's so many negative articles around there, but I don't wanna be someone who's forwarding a negative article because all it does is breed fear and uh, struggle on our team. Sometimes optimism, Do you know how it begins? By putting cotton wool in your ears and just making a decision. Today, I want to be a builder. I want to keep building my company. I want to keep building the church. I want to keep building my organization. And how do we do that? Sometimes you just got to block out everything else. Encourage you as you re-engage with your team and your staff. Re-engage by obsessing over the why, not the what. Re-engage by striding, not striving. Re-engage by being okay, even for you and your team, not to be okay. Re-engage by focusing on the good news, and re-engage with a sense of looking through it, not looking at it. And I believe, as you do these things, it will help your team re-engage back into the new normal. And I'm hoping this podcast has helped you today. Uh, if it has, please share it with your team. Sit down, go through it, and. Anyone you know, you think, hey, this could be a real, real step, some keys here to you re-engaging back into your workplace, back into your organization. Hey, let them know. Let them know about it. And keep helping yourself. Keep helping your teams, your staff and your volunteers. We're going to go into a brighter tomorrow. And remember, when you lift the level of your leadership, everyone around you will rise too. God bless. I'd value your commitment by liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, commenting on it and sharing it with your teams. Remember, you are your only limit and this podcast is to lift the level of your leadership and as you rise, others will rise around you.